going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Clee Talk, presented by FenleyRoadSports.com. I'm your host, Bob, hanging out, talking my favorite hometown Cleveland sports with my older brother, Chris. Chris, what's going on, man? Not much. I'm trying to decide whether or not it's going to snow today. It's been off and on all day long. I've seen reports saying we're going to get buried in snow today, and then I've seen reports saying it's going to be fine. So... I don't know what's going on, but but I'm I'm packed in and ready. I went to the supermarket. I got my 24 bottles of water and stuff like that. So I, I'm prepared just in case. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think that will it snow in Cleveland is a question that could be asked just about any day of the year. But certainly when a big nor'easter is hitting the East Coast, yeah, um, it'll be interesting. Stay safe. Uh, Thank for you. Sure. I think it should be okay though. I just I just hope I can do yeah. what I want to do this weekend. I got I got I got an event I'm going to, so it'll be pretty fun. Gotcha. Well, um despite the snowstorms happening in the northeast, we are in uh March and with March uh, we're approaching spring and uh with that we are approaching some key NFL off season dates, uh free agency is going to open up next week, uh, starting with the talking period on March 12th. Uh, and the Browns, with over $100 million in cap space, which is uh, they have the most cap space in the entire league, are expected to be um, key players in, in free agency. And uh, with the combine wrapping up, the, the draft is uh, less than two months away as well. So, um, Chris, things are starting to take shape uh, as the NFL and the Browns make uh, their offseason roster moves um, approaching free agency. What uh, approach do you think the Browns should take uh, and what positions should they prioritize? Well, I think they're definitely going to take an aggressive approach. I don't think John Dorsey is just going to sit on 108.6 and change million dollars in cap space uh, and not do anything when he's inheriting a very young N16 team and let's just go back two years Bob a very young 1N31 team this team needs veteran leadership and it needed it last year Um, thought it found some in free agency I'm not hanging the 0-16 season on their free agents last year that's that's not fair at all a lot went wrong Uh, but but certainly uh, when you go 0-16 everything sort of went wrong um, they have a lot of young players who who need guidance, and so I would expect the Browns to sign multiple top shelf free agents, not not just a bunch of of guys. I, I would expect them to get two to three blue chippers in this free agent class with the amount of uh, spending power that they have and the flexibility that because they're so young, they have so many guys on rookie and sophomore contracts that they don't have to worry about paying their young guys for another two or three seasons. That means even if they sign some big contracts from the three to four year range, they won't have to deal with the ramifications of those. It could line up that those guys come off the books right as these this current draft class is ready for a big payday, hopefully, because that means they will have developed. And, and then you can kind of start getting out of this rut and cycling in uh, more players. Um, but but I, I would expect the Browns to be very aggressive in free agency with their $108-plus in cap space. Yeah, I mean, I, I expect them to be huge players as well. 
Um, obviously, there's some big quarterback names uh, at the top of this free agency class um, in Kirk Cousins, and then uh, separate below him, um, you know, Drew, Drew Brees' contract is a question, though he, he's probably going back to New Orleans. But um, even looking further down, you got guys like Case Keenum and Teddy Bridgewater coming out of Minnesota. So uh, there, there are options at quarterback, but um, putting that to the side right now, I expect the Browns to be players in the quarterback market. We're going to talk about that in a second, but um, I, I, I agree with you. They're going to spend big on a couple of the top 10 free agents on the market. You know, think of last year when they gave Zeitlin uh, the largest contract uh, for a guard in the entire NFL. They're going to spend that kind of money again at another position of need. And for me, um, it, it seems pretty clear that the Browns should be a player for a cornerback. And I'm looking at a couple different rankings of, you know, the top available free agents and about in the top 30 of most of these lists, about six cornerbacks are listed and a couple safeties as well. So almost a third of the top free agents are in the secondary and secondary is a huge area of need and opportunity for the Browns. The Browns have the cap space to sign one of these guys to be their number one corner or number two corner to go along with, you know, there are some really intriguing secondary prospects in the draft. I think they could remake their secondary overnight. I think cornerback is, you know, other than quarterback, I think secondary, particularly cornerback is, uh, the, the target position that they should go after, uh, in free agency. Yeah, and I'm going to give you a name right now. The Browns should sign Malcolm Butler, period, end of story. He is the corner I want them to sign the most. A, I think he'll be reasonably priced because, as you mentioned, there are some really good corners on the market. So it'll be interesting to see how you know the second or third or fourth guys get paid because because there's a little more supply than normal. But Malcolm Butler's the guy I want because he is the one corner who can guard Antonio Brown. Whenever the Patriots play the Steelers, Butler has held his own against Brown. Now, now I'm not saying every single time. Obviously, Brown has had some big plays against Malcolm Butler. He's the best wide receiver in the league. But if you look at the overall matchup, Malcolm Butler has frustrated Antonio Brown on multiple occasions with the New England Patriots. That's the guy I want on the Browns because you got to face Antonio Brown twice in your division. The Steelers are a team that you are chasing. I'm not saying they're going to catch him this year. You're still chasing him. You got to play him twice. Get the guy who has had a track record of success against your number one enemy's number one option. Yeah, I wouldn't argue with that at all. Malcolm Butler is certainly one of the top available cornerbacks. Um, I'm look. I I would be fine with that. Um, but I'm looking at Tremaine Johnson, uh, who's set most likely going to be a, a free agent with the Rams. They're not probably not going to re-sign him since they acquired Marcus Peters from the Chiefs. Uh, Tremaine Johnson was franchise tagged the past two years. Um, he's six two. A big cornerback, and he has ties to Greg Williams, you know, former defensive coordinator for the Rams. Um, so a guy that has some familiarity. Um, by all accounts, Tremaine Johnson is the uh, number one available cornerback on the market. So I, I'll be fine with that. I'll be fine with Malcolm Butler. Um, and it looks like there are reports that the Browns have already entertained a visit uh, with Washington Redskins quarterback Bashad Breeland. 
uh, this week. So, you know, he's also one of the more sought after cornerbacks in this market. Um, looks like they're prioritizing that already. Um, I, I would be fine with, with any of those three or, or a combination of those three coming to Cleveland. Yeah, Bob, they could sign Tremaine Johnson and Malcolm Butler, and that would be a home run. I mean, that would be a grand slam. It would be even more than a home run in my book. Um, that's just the kind of spending power that they have. And Tremaine Johnson is one of these guys who's definitely going to be a free agent because LaMarcus Joyner was already franchise tagged by the Rams. Now, the flip side is it takes one of the top safeties off the market, but one of the top corners, if not the top corner, will hit free agency. And there's questions, as you said, as to whether or not the Rams will bring him back. So I would be fine with Tremaine Johnson. But the reason I really like Malcolm Butler is because of the specific matchup with Antonio Brown. You got to face him twice. You're chasing the Steelers. Let's get a guy who's been as close to kryptonite as possible for the number one receiver in the league. Again, again, Antonio Brown's still Antonio Brown, but Malcolm Butler has had more success than anyone else uh, when, when guarding him for the Patriots. Yep. Can't, can't argue with that logic. Um, the one thing that makes me hesitant is that he is leaving New England um, <laughs> and, you know, those, they haven't worked out so well leaving that leaving Foxborough and signing big deals uh, in other teams. Um, so who knows? But I, I think Malcolm Butler does have talent, and he played up until the Super Bowl almost 99% of all snaps for, for the Patriots uh, this past season. So, um, yeah, I'd, be, I'd, be, I'd totally be fine with that. Um, but, Chris, regardless of the position players that the Browns sign in free agency, if they don't figure out quarterback – uh, it's all going to be for naught. And you know, I mentioned some of the names uh, in this free agency class at quarterback, starting with Kirk Cousins, who um, you know is already rumored to have whittled down his choices to uh, just four teams and the Browns not being one of them. But uh, with the Browns having such massive amount of cap space, would you offer Kirk Cousins? Uh, he's probably going to command the, the highest paid salary in the league at the time. Uh, would you make that offer to Cousins? The Browns could offer Kirk Cousins $38.6 million a year and still have $70 million left over. And I'm not saying he's going to get $38.6 million. It's a ridiculous number. But that's just how much space the Browns have. So to answer your question, absolutely I would offer Kirk Cousins that 25 to $30 million a year he's looking for. Um, I have never thought that Kirk Cousins was going to come to Cleveland. Uh, I've never thought that he would choose the Browns over other quarterback needy teams like Denver and potentially Minnesota. It, it's going to be interesting to see what the Vikings do with their trio of quarterbacks leaving, and they have some other free agents to deal with. Now, they do have $47.6 million in cap space, but if they give a chunk of that to Kirk Cousins, they may have to let some of their other key guys go. So that, that'll be an interesting situation to watch. But if I'm Kirk Cousins and I can get paid by Denver or Minnesota, why would you ever go to an 0-16 Cleveland team? Kirk Cousins on either of those squads puts them right in contention for a Super Bowl championship, especially Denver, because I think the road through the AFC is a lot easier than the NFC right now. Um I think Kirk Cousins, I think one the team he signs is going to be a little more championship ready than the Browns. 
I certainly would go after him, Bob. I'm not saying that I wouldn't want him on Cleveland. I do. I desperately want the Browns to get Kirk Cousins or even by some Hail Mary, Drew Brees. I, I Realistically, though, I don't think it's going to happen. I, I, don't, I, I, don't, I think they will offer him the money. I just don't think he's going to choose Cleveland. Yeah, I don't think so either. Um, when I look at Minnesota compared to Cleveland 1, Minnesota is in a dome. Cleveland is not. I'd rather play in a dome if I'm Kirk Cousins. Uh, two, Minnesota can virtually, you know, they, they have almost $50 million in cap space this offseason. They can virtually match any offer that the Browns would put on the table for Cousins. Um, and, and three, the, the Vikings had the best defense uh, in the league last season and are, and are probably going to have the best defense or one of the best defenses uh, in, in the league for the next season. And they, made a deep playoff run uh, or yeah they made a deep playoff run uh this past season while the browns did not win a game so um there's nothing there's no value there's no added value in coming to cleveland that you can't get in going to minnesota and that holds true for for all these other teams as well that are in the mix you know i've heard the jets i've heard the broncos they're all better than cleveland have a better chance of being successful and can still have the same monetary clout as Cleveland does. So um, if I'm Cousins, yeah, I'm not I'm not coming to Cleveland um, unless he's enticed by the coaching staff or by the allure of turning the worst team in the past two seasons and one of the worst runs in franchise history around. Um, maybe that entices him, but uh, I, I just I don't think that's going to happen. I think. Kirk Cousins to Minnesota is the most likely scenario. Yeah, and and there's the problem we're getting at here, Bob. The the Browns obviously have a ton of cap space, 108 million plus, but it's not like the Jets aren't sitting pretty at 89 million. I'm looking at the Colts with 72 million, and then three or four other teams with at least 62 million. All of whom, I mean, just by virtue of not being 0-16, are in a better position than the Browns. You look at the 49ers, Jimmy Garoppolo signing that big extension. They still have $66.2 million left over, Bob. Wouldn't you want to go play with Jimmy Garoppolo after he went 5-0 with the 49ers than whatever Cleveland's offering? I, I'm just, I, Yeah, the Browns have an overwhelming advantage. But you look at the drop-down between the Browns and the Jets and the Colts, it's not that big, and there are still six other teams with $62 million plus. And that doesn't even count the Vikings, who are, as we said, $47 million plus, and they went to the NFC Championship game. Um, you know, Go further down the list. You, well, no, once you get to $30 million, that that's actually not that much cap room in NFL free agency. But there are a lot of teams who are going to be players on, on what is looking to be a really deep free agent market. So the good news is, is, is if the Browns miss out on a couple of these guys, there is some depth at two core positions of needs, secondary and quarterback. So that's the good news. And there are some sneaky free agents out there like uh, a guy like Allen Robinson, who we didn't mention. We haven't talked about wide receiver yet, but he's coming off an ACL. The Jaguars probably bring him back, but he had a monster 2015. If the Jaguars are unsure about his health, he could be a guy who maybe gets paid a little less, can come into Cleveland and and have some high upside. So I think Cleveland's going to make some moves. I'm skeptical how big they're really going to be just because they're they're competing with six other teams, all of whom are in better position. Yeah, I mean, that's a fair point. Um, They're 
whoever you sign in free agency, you're overpaying for, um, unless you're talking about these, um, you know, one year deals, these veteran deals. Um, you know, if, if you're signing, you know, a top 50 free agent, you're going to overpay. I think there's plenty of overpaying to go around. The Browns aren't going to come away with, they're, they're going to overpay and make somebody the highest paid player at their position. And it might not be the best player, but they're going to get that. And that's just what you have to do when you're in a poor position like the Browns are. Um, I recognize that they're going to lose some bidding wars as well, but I think there are plenty of good players available uh, that the Browns can overpay for and entice just with the monetary guarantees that they can give. Um, but yeah, it's not like the Browns, you're right, the Browns aren't the only one uh, that can throw heaps of cash uh, at these free agents. So um, they're, they're going to have to make a convincing pitch uh, as well. One other point I want to make, let's look at the bottom of the cap list, the teams that are going to have to cut players to get cap compliant. The Chiefs, minus $3.2 million. The Dolphins, minus $8.6 million. And the defending Super Bowl champion, Philadelphia Eagles, minus $11.2 million. Bob, there's going to be some scraps from the best team in the NFL hitting the market that we don't know about because they're going to have to cut some guys that could change some things as well. Or maybe Philadelphia makes another trade. They already made one with Seattle to get Michael Bennett, a very big move to shake things up, but that didn't exactly help their cap situation that much. So maybe maybe that could be another angle the Browns pursue, trading with a team who is trying to get under the cap, who has to get under the cap, um, and, and has an overwhelming amount of talent because of the fact that they won the Super Bowl and were a very deep team last year. Another team, Dallas Cowboys, only $12,000 over the cap, so they might have to make a cap cut as well. Uh, so so there could be some guys spilling into the free agent market that we don't know about, or there could be a trade because the Browns have a ton of draft capital that they could help one of these teams relieve themselves uh, 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 of, a, of a contract or something like that. It's a very good point. Uh, another uh, point to make um, is that the Browns uh, only have four unrestricted free agents heading into free agency, so they're they're you know, they're they're bringing in new talent as opposed to trying to to retain their own. Uh, even the Eagles, uh, with their cap issues, you know they're they're losing already uh, a lot of guys to free agency. So um, I think some of these other teams might be focused on retaining some of their talent, whereas the Browns, um, other than Isaiah Crowell. Um, and I don't think he, they're going to really make concerted effort to bring him back, uh, aren't really losing anybody and aren't really interested in re-signing any of those four free agents. So, um, yeah, Browns are about to drop some serious cash. Oh, yeah, they're going to spend big. Uh, I just hope they spend wisely. I mean, that's all you can do. Is free agency is a bit of a crapshoot. As you said, you're overpaying for production that already happened. Um, it's usually not the best way to build a team. But, Bob, when you're 0-16, man, I mean, there's only one way to go from here. They need to get veterans in here, and and, and as, as we've talked about earlier, they have the youth. It's not going to hurt them like it is the Eagles because they're not going to be up against these young guys up for big extensions for another two or three years. So so I, I do think there's an opportunity here for the Browns to sign some deals and then in a couple of years transplant those cap numbers into hopefully young talent that has developed into uh, uh, blue chip NFL stars for sure well we are going to uh, see some this is going to take shape uh, next week and, and we will definitely monitor what the Browns are doing as some 
uh, free agency rumors uh, come out. Um, so, uh, Chris, it is March, and, and conference basketball, college basketball tournaments uh, have been completed or are set to be completed, um, and we're going to keep it close to home at first, checking in with Cleveland State and the Horizon League. Uh, Cleveland State, the eighth seed in this tournament at 6-12, and 12, making a run all the way to the Horizon League tournament uh, championship round, uh, finally losing to the number two seed Wright State. Um, Chris, talk a little bit about how uh, amazing that would have been uh, if Cleveland State uh, would have won that game and advanced to the NCAA tournament. Well, if they had won that game, they may as well have just taken the bus to Dayton uh, because um, they – we're going to go to play in a play-in game because they would have been a 22-loss team. They they had lost. They entered the tournament with a nine and 22 record. They would have been 13 and 22, the worst record ever for an NCAA tournament team. By getting the Horizon League's automatic berth, it doesn't matter. But I guarantee you, they would have been one of those uh, four 16 seeds playing in a play-in game. But it still would have been kind of awesome to see a 9-22 and regular season team go on this kind of miracle run, eking by Youngstown State by a point, knocking off Northern Kentucky, taking down Oakland by a point in a, in a slugfest, 44-43, but, but they just didn't have enough gas to beat uh, Wright State, um, unfortunately. It would have been great to see the Vikings go back to the tournament for the first time. And, and man, it's been a while. I think it's at least 2009. Um, I think that was when Jonathan was on the team. It's been it's been probably about ten years since they've been to the NCAA tournament. So uh a very very good run. Half of me would have been I, I'm excited because it would have been Cleveland State, but half of me is like, man, they were nine and twenty-two. There should not be a way for a nine and twenty-two team to get into the NCAA tournament. I'm sorry. I feel like the bid is better served in somebody else's hand. Yeah, I mean, if not for them being from Cleveland, uh, I would have, you know, made fun of it. But that being said, I, it's a cool story to me. Um, but I agree with you. I mean, it would have. Uh, I think a lot of bubble teams, teams that are left out, would point to Cleveland State and say, "Hey, that's not fair." So, um, yeah, it would have been a cool story uh, for Cleveland. Um, would have been cool to see them make a run and. Heck, what if they even won a game in the NCAA tournament? That would have been pretty fantastic. But um, all is right. Right State, uh, hey, that's kind of a pun, uh, is moving on to the tournament uh, as the number two seed. So um, no controversy there. Um, Chris, uh, kind of zooming out a little bit, going a little further away from home, but the tournament is going to be hosted in Cleveland. Uh, the MAC tournament uh, is underway now as we record. Um, give us a little preview. Who who are you keeping your eye on? We always want to – I mean, Kent State and Akron have traditionally dominated this league, and Kent State uh, will play Buffalo in the semifinals. Now, the other semifinal matchup is still to be determined. Um, Akron – Falling on hard times after losing Keith Dambrot, so they're the 11 seed. Um, they they're they're in the quarterfinals. They they upset Western Michigan. Uh, Akron is obviously a, a traditional power in the MAC, so so don't sleep on them. But but I wouldn't you know bet money on that. Um, 
The MAC is traditionally a one-bid league, and I, I think that Buffalo-Kent State semifinal is going to be a slugfest. I, I think the winner of that's probably going to win the bid. Kent State, another traditional power. Buffalo, also a kind of a traditional power in the MAC. So, so I, I, I actually think that that matchup is going to be really fun to watch later in the week, and uh, I think that they will. Um, the winner of that matchup will go to the NCAA tournament. Yeah, um, you know, I think Kent State. Uh, probably the, the hometown team at this point uh, being so close to Cleveland that may help them but it seems like this is Buffalo's tournament to win uh, just in terms of RPI rankings they're 31st uh, right now or excuse me 32nd right now uh, in RPI rankings that's by far the best ranking in the MAC. Um, I, I think that they are just uh, a better team uh, than the rest and rightfully are, are have that uh, number one seed so I'd be surprised if Buffalo uh doesn't win this tournament no yeah yeah buffalo clearly is the number one team in the mac uh but but man it, the mac tournament's a funny tournament because the number one team rarely wins it i i feel like there's a lot of upsets that happen at the queue um akron was on the receiving end of a couple of them because they had a, a great run with lebron james's uh former high school teammates but th those guys never played in the ncaa tournament in fact, one year, those guys went like 31, 32 wins. They didn't even get an at-large to the NIT, Bob. They didn't even get an NIT at-large. They were a 32-win team. That was unbelievable. So the MAC generally gets disrespected, but at the same time, uh, it, it is a fun tournament because there are a lot of upsets that happen. I believe your Miami Redhawks were the ones who knocked them out with that like half-court shot or something, if I'm remembering yeah. correctly. Um, so, so, yeah, I... I agree, Buffalo. This this should be Buffalo's tournament, but just knowing the history of the MAC tournament, funny things happen. And when you face a team like Kent State, who's who's been on both ends of it, uh, it it's going to be fun. I think, like I said, I think the Matt, the, the winner of that will go to the NCAA tournament, um, and it'll be a fun game to watch. Well, now talking about the uh, tournament that has already happened, uh, and, and zooming out even further, Ohio State losing to Penn State. Uh, in the quarterfinal, their first game uh, that they played uh, in the tournament, uh, losing to them for the third straight time this season. Uh, Michigan would, would eventually go on to uh, win the entire Big Ten tournament for the second year in a row. Um, Chris, what are your thoughts on the disappointing uh, exit by Ohio State and Michigan's uh, somewhat surprising win? Well, two things. First, on our last podcast, uh, I, I had said, I said, man, it, that's like the worst draw for Ohio State because Penn State playing Northwestern, uh, obviously we assumed that was going to be a win for Penn State. They're the one team that beat Ohio State twice in the regular season that swept them, and, and obviously they were their kryptonite this year, Bob, because they <laughs> upset them in the tournament. Um, ultimately, I mean, it, it stinks as an Ohio State fan to see Michigan win, but at the end of the day, Bob, I mean, three of those four teams in the semifinals, they were going to the dance no matter what, the Michigan teams and Purdue. Penn State was the only one really playing for something with its with its season on the line. Those other three teams were going to be back. Ohio State will get an at-large as well. I think the two teams that got hurt by all this were obviously Nebraska getting blasted by Michigan, 19-point loss in the quarterfinals. You can't do that when you're on the bubble. Maybe, and I think Penn State's going to get hurt for a couple reasons. One, I do think they needed one more win to really get an at-large bid. But two, I think if they had upset Ohio State, 
tomorrow because this game was played last Friday. If this game was being played tomorrow and Penn State upset them, they dominate the headlines through the weekends. And I, I just think for nine days off between that big upset, even though it was only a one-point game, it was still a pretty good upset. Um, they're, they're just going to get kind of forgotten by the committee and, and there'll be some other big kind of darlings that, that have some dramatic runs that'll kind of take the spotlight from them. Yeah, definitely disappointing for, for OSU. Um, so you, there's no concern that Ohio State's not going to the tournament? No, none whatsoever. They, they, they have some big wins over Purdue, Michigan State. I think they split with Michigan. Um, their only losses other than – I mean, five of their losses are to really good teams, and then they lose to Penn State. I mean, Penn State's a, a tournament bubble team, so it's not like they're a bad team either. So I don't think they have a bad loss on their resume. When Butler's your quote-unquote worst loss, that's a pretty good resume. They, they're going no matter what. Yeah, it certainly seems like they are safe, uh, and uh, Michigan State, Michigan, and Purdue – as well will we'll be invited um yeah d- definitely disappointing for, for for ohio state and you you did uh call that uh concerning matchup between them and penn state so uh kudos to you <laughs> <laughs> uh, we were both wrong on our champion pick though bob uh, michigan kind of surprised us both though very true but, i mean uh we, you know we got pretty got all almost all the way yeah. um but uh, Selection Sunday coming up uh, as the rest of the conference tournaments play out. So um, we will certainly uh, be looking at that and, you know, making my bracket and, and talking about that is one of the f- best uh, times uh, of the year for sports fans. So uh, excited to talk more about the tournament as it takes shape. Um, but Chris, let, let's check in with the Cleveland Cavaliers uh, and, and um, how they're doing post all-star break, you know, um, a couple concerning losses at home, uh, followed it up with, with, a, a exciting game, uh, win against the nuggets, uh, last night, but more so than that, uh, the news coming out of the Cavs that, that has been more dominant is that Kevin, Kevin Love has published an article in the player's tribune, uh, talking about how he had to leave a game earlier in the season due to, uh, onset of a panic attack um and he, he really came forth about the the state of his mental health and being aware uh of his battles with, with mental health um what are your thoughts on on love coming out at this time uh with this news and, and the reception that he's received well first off it's very brave of him to do uh, it shouldn't be brave of him to do um we should have that culture where you know People can feel free to talk about those things without being judged, but but that's not the reality we live in. And I think it's harder even for athletes because uh, there there's a there's a macho kind of mentality around pro sports, especially men's pro sports, and and, and these kind of things are, are looked upon as weak, and and it's wrong. And 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 I'm happy that Kevin Love had the courage to tell this story. Um, and, I, and I'm, I'm even happier that it seems as if we're, we're turning the corner and, and, and more people are starting to, to realize that this is a serious problem and, and, and they're, they're not bashing him for going through something that, that is a very serious thing. And, and, and he cited DeMar DeRozan a couple times and, and, and just not too long before Kevin Love wrote his piece, DeMar DeRozan came out about his own battles with depression um, kind of paving the way for Kevin Love to do that. And, and Love in, cited him as an inspiration to go public with this. 
Um, and I think it's great that that two. It's not just you know two role players, and, and it's two stars, two guys with big names, two guys who, by all accounts, should be happy and shouldn't have to worry about things. Uh, but it shows that that it doesn't matter, you know, how much money you make or how big your star is, you know, these kind of things can affect you no matter what, and 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 you have to have the courage to deal with it, and and you have to have a culture that is accepting of of you when you open up and and when when you have to get through it. And so, um, I'm I'm very happy that Kevin Love, um, you know, took a step and 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 led by example. And, and, and he has been saying in interviews how overwhelmed, in a good way, he has been um, from seeing all the positive responses and people reaching out to him and, 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 and you know, sharing their own stories with him. So I, I think that this is a good moment for him because he, um, he clearly realized that, that he can do a lot of good. And he's even mentioned a couple of times that this could be something I, I make my calling and, and, and help more people with and and when you when you have the platform the size of Kevin Love um you obviously can do a lot of good and and I'm really glad that a he's working through it and b uh he's starting to use his experiences to to help others and I'm sure that there are countless others out there who are going through something very similar so so yes bravo to Kevin Love and and it's very refreshing to see that um you know we're we're our our culture is becoming more accepting of it yeah for sure um I'm very happy for love to, to find uh, this platform and to come out and, and talk about um, his, w- what he's going through and what he's dealing with. I, I applaud him for that. Um, and it makes me respect him even more. Um, you know, love has been the punching bag for Cleveland for the past four years and not just from fans, but from media making what it feels like making up stories about him saying he, he wants out when all he did was, Went back in and, and resign relatively early on in that 2015 free agency period um, to to his teammates. Even I mean, you know, you could look at the subtweets of LeBron over the past four years. You could, you know, specifically not in the Players Tribune article, but um, the the infamous argument that happened in the locker room after the Oklahoma City Thunder loss in January, where um, players rumored to be Isaiah Thomas and Dwayne Wade called out Kevin Love for leaving that game because of a panic attack. Um, It just makes me feel, uh, it makes me respect him even more that he found the strength to do this, to come out. Um, And, you know, all Kevin Love has done in Cleveland is is sacrifice. I mean, he was widely regarded as the premier power forward at the time of that trade coming to Cleveland and arguably a, a one of the 10 best players in the league. He was a monster in Minnesota. He's given so much of that up to be the third option in, in Cleveland. And and now he's the, the second option in Cleveland this year, and it hasn't worked out as well, but all he's done is, is, is still be an all-star uh, and to, for him to go through this uh, and still play at this extremely high level under the largest microscope, the most intense microscope, uh, in the entire league playing alongside LeBron James and just the rumors and drama that come out of that. Uh, I applaud him. And I think that um, Kevin Love deserves even more of our respect. I'm glad that everyone has come out in full support of him now. Uh, but I think he deserves uh, even more. Uh, and uh, we should rethink the way that we have uh, treated 
love in the past few seasons just because uh, I think a lot of it comes from uh, not not the most honest or, or, or truest place. Uh, yeah, Bob, I, I agree with everything you just said. Just just a quick correction, though. Um, that Oklahoma City confrontation was not a result of a panic attack, why he left that game. Uh, but to your point, I, I don't think that that meeting helped his situation. And I certainly don't think the spotlight of being in Cleveland has helped his situation with all the pressure put on him coming to Cleveland to win immediately and him being the scapegoat of this team, um, especially all the fake media reports that you mentioned. Uh, none of that has helped. Um, so it's good that he's come out with this because I think that, that people can see him in a different light now and, and can kind of see just what he's gone through and, and hopefully it just changes our, our, the general attitude around him because I, I think he's gotten way too much criticism for every little thing that's gone wrong in Cleveland. Um, has he certainly been per- perfect all the time? No, but, but I don't think he's the reason the Cavs have been struggling at any given moment. Um, and I, I do think it's funny how, you know, prior to the trade deadline, there were a million Kevin Love trade rumors as usual. And now that he's injured and this new team is struggling, everyone's looking to him to be the savior. I keep hearing people, yeah, well, when, when Kevin Love returns, when Kevin Love returns, you, you mean the guy you were advocating to trade over yeah. and over and over again for all these years? You, you mean he's our savior now? I just think it's funny how, how fickle things can be um, with, with just knee-jerk reactions in general from, from media personalities, from fans. It, it, it can get a bit ridiculous at times, and, uh, and I certainly don't think that, that that's helped Kevin Love's situation. No, definitely not. Um, hey, I can't wait till Kevin Love comes back, um, and I've always supported him, but I think uh, I, I, I am excited to see what he brings to this new look Cavs. I, I think uh, he'll, he'll fit in uh, pretty well. Oh yeah, I definitely agree. I, I think that this new Cavs team is definitely better um, constructed around Kevin Love's skill sets, and uh, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of excitement with this team, even though it's been struggling a little bit as of late, a little bit inconsistent, trying to find its footing. I think come playoff time, it's going to be ready to go. Yeah, me too. By the way, Bob, Larry Nance Jr. That is my favorite storyline right now. Because, oh, yeah. A, I mean, to have the the son of a former Cav great come here and have such an impact. But B, Bob, did you see him completely posterize? I forget which game it was, but he had a thunderous dunk. I think it was against Brooklyn or Detroit. It, it, it was just, yep. it was a mind. He gets the offensive rebound, cooks it out. Then he's wide open on the wing. He just comes in and bam. Yeah, that was... That was just a wild moment. No, he. Uh, he I think uh, every every game he's uh, put in somebody on a poster, which is good to see. I mean, he's very springy, um, and I didn't know that he had a decent jump shot. That I'm sure that he can develop a little bit more. But you know, c- compared to uh, Tristan Thompson, who's probably his most an- an- analogous analogous player uh, on the Cavs, um, he, he's a by far a much more versatile offensive option. So I'm happy that he's uh, been getting some starts while Thompson's out with a uh, hurt ankle. Um, I think he was the surprise addition to these trades. Uh, I'm really happy that he's uh, on the team. 
Yeah, me too. And I think as he gets more comfortable with this team, he's going to be Tristan Thompson with a better offensive game. And uh, that that's really exciting because the man can jump out the gym. He can do a lot of things that work very well off of guys like Kevin Love and LeBron James. Yeah, definitely. All righty. Well, we are all done. Still, still no big MLB hot stove news and, and still, you know, revving up for the tribe. Can't wait for opening day. Uh, but next week, man, it's Selection Sunday. March Madness begins. We'll see where Ohio State shakes out. We'll see if anyone from Ohio can represent the MAC. Uh, we already got the Horizon League team, Wright State. Uh, so an Ohio school is in. Uh, so we'll, we'll see where it all shakes down in a bit. Uh, also keep an eye on Xavier and Cincinnati, some of the other Ohio powers in basketball, see where they fall in the NCAA tournament. But until then, you're just going to have to catch us on social media. You can follow us at Finley Road Sports, both on Twitter and Instagram. Please check out FinleyRoadSports.com for all of our old Klee Talk podcasts and subscribe to our podcast via iTunes by clicking the icon in the upper right-hand corner or searching Fenley Road Sports in iTunes and clicking Clee Talk. It's just that simple. We thank you for your support, and we hope you come back next week for another episode of Clee Talk presented by FenleyRoadSports.com. But until then, go Browns, get 